everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. At this time, I haven't, uh, I'm still processing everything. You know, obviously, we just finished the season, so. Uh, I'm going to take the next little bit here and, you know, think about everything. You know, obviously with the way we finished and, and it, it's not where we want to be, obviously, and i got to take all this into consideration. When you struggle offensively like, like we did at times, I don't care who's calling plays. You, you're looking, you might as well look at that thing with your eyes closed and just pick a play, quite honestly, because it's hard. It's difficult. I've been there. And, you know, you're trying to find that one play or a spark that gets your offense rolling. And, and, and with the struggles that we had at times – it, that's, a, that's a difficult thing to, to do, to try to, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Hold my pocket. Dylan Denmark. All right, everybody, good morning. Uh, one day further removed from the debacle that was the collapse that ended the Jaguars season, losing five of their last six as we continue to tiptoe into the 2024 offseason, which stinks before the NFL playoffs have even begun. That's a position the Jags find themselves in. Good morning, Tony Smith. How are you? Doing well. Pockets. Morning. Were you able to get in some uh, golf balls? Yeah, a little bit. It was a little the, windy, but... tornadic conditions? Yeah, I got just in time. Yeah, I went to the range, but uh, they probably wisely opted not to have it open yesterday. As I thought about it, uh, with tornado warnings or watches in effect, all they needed were bunch of range balls crashing through people's living room windows um, with the pretty clear evidence that they could understand the conditions probably warranted them yeah. picking those balls up first. Yeah, I had I was just laying around watching Justified, and I can hear it. Felt, it sounded like the world was ending outside. Now, I was like, maybe have, I need to turn on the news. Have you seen Justified? Yeah. Before you've seen it start to finish the whole oh, thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just felt like watching it again. Because it's great. Yeah, because it's awesome. And so I was like listening to outside, and I thought I heard something crash. I was like, all right, turn on the news. Like, I know there's a serious storm here. And when I flipped on the news – Basically, there was a yellow box over my neighborhood, ah. not on the street, over my neighborhood. Tornado warning for this specific area. Your house is, is where we're seeing the rotation. I was like, oh, ah. oh. I'm glad I turned it You're on. You're okay. We hope everybody else yep. was. Then it moved today. over to Bayard. Nothing hit the house. That Jags uh, had, you know, uh, a tornado ripped through the defensive coaching staff. They did. Uh, right? <laughs> I guess you could put it that way. And saw that report. Many of us should have made more touchdown right yeah. or, or lingered longer and, yeah. and sucked up the offensive really staff done or some portions damage. of it yeah. maybe visit the front office and mm-hmm. I, I think you have to believe at this point after Doug Peterson makes a further statement about staff changes that the staff changes that are going to be made have been made yeah at this point and we can certainly continue to debate and argue and and question whether enough moves have been made should press Taylor have been let go, for instance, should Trent Baalke have been let go, although that's not a Doug Peterson decision. I suppose that one could still happen. I don't get the sense that, you know, other than now filling the holes left, I mean, including the entire defensive side of the coaching mm-hmm. staff, and I'm presuming, Tony, maybe they have somebody in mind. That's been the speculation because they acted so quickly yeah. on that. But it, whether they do or not, you know, I, I get once you get rid of the coordinator – 
what this signals to me is they're going to let the new coordinator hire his own staff, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to hamstring him by saying, oh, we want you, but you got to take on this guy, that guy, the other guy. Maybe you say, hey, there are a couple of guys that you'd take a look at, but they blew them all out. So uh, it's going to be a clean sweep. And we saw the report from Josina Anderson on Twitter or X, whatever, that uh, unnamed people on the way out were saying uh, they're getting rid of the solutions uh, I'm paraphrasing here. The problems are remaining. Like, they're getting rid of the wrong people. Now, you got to take that somewhat with a grain of salt. Yeah. If you're the one getting fired, you're probably not thinking you're the one who most deserve getting fired. Right. And they're not saying anything that the fan base doesn't feel. Right? Correct. Like, it's it's not like anyone walking out the door that's saying, you know what, there's probably some guys on the offensive side of the ball that should be holding the bag on this too. Right? Like, those kind of things. It's not like – the fan base is saying, no, that's ridiculous. Like, they get it, right? And if Press Taylor had been among the firings, people would have understood it. They would have probably cheered it, right, if that's the decision they had made. it's You can call it scapegoat, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever happened with Mike Caldwell. But I don't think he did a good enough job that his job should have been safe. Press Taylor certainly, I don't think, did a good enough job that his job should have been safe. Here in Jacksonville, Trent Baalke hasn't done a good enough job that his job should be safe here in Jacksonville, but they've made the decisions that they've made. They're going to go into this offseason with the pieces that they have in the building that they're keeping staying at this point. Right. That Look, whether we agree with it or not, I would start over in the front office. I don't think it's been good too. enough. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you reach a certain level, and sometimes, you know, sometimes, like, after a certain point, nine and eight's not going to be good enough, right? For right now, like I, me personally, not even a thought in my mind about Doug Peterson's job security. Mm-hmm. Not that's me. Others may feel differently about it, but that's me coming in, going nine and eight, winning the division, going nine and eight, and to have nine and eight, have a winning season be a disappointment around here, is a sign that the bar is being raised in Jacksonville now. Go nine and eight. Well, not just nine and eight's a disappointment. Nine and eight, and it's the biggest collapse in franchise I get history. It. I get yeah. it. But it's both. It, yeah. it is both. But it's not enough for me to fire Doug Peterson over a five you. and six yeah. finish when he did win what seventeen went seventeen and eleven in the regular season up until mm-hmm. that five and six finish. It was pretty good, especially taking over a team that had back to back number one overall picks. Now, you reach a point where just treading water around the 500 mark is not good enough. To me, they're just not at that point yet. You know, let me see how next year plays out. If they go 8-9 and nine next year and miss the playoffs, or if they squander things down the stretch, we'll have another conversation about it next year. But that's for me right now. Others may feel differently. I think there are some definite things that need changing around here. Whether you've got a new GM, a new offensive coordinator or not, there's plenty of things that need fixing mm-hmm. on this team. We're going to go into detail on a number of those today. And, I mean, it may not be the same thing for everybody. Like, a lot of people are going to say the biggest offseason priority, based on where things stand at this moment, some will say, hey, it's fire Press Taylor, it's fire uh, Trent Baalke. And that's fine if that's what your priority is. It's not one of my priorities because I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I'm going to focus on things today that, regardless of who the OC is, can improve this football team, regardless of who the general manager is, can improve this football team. Now, part of it is the general manager plays a key role in selecting the new talent that comes here to fix some of the issues that they have. So I get that, but that doesn't mean that – like Trent Baalke, every move he makes, 
isn't horrible. Mm-hmm. He did sign Christian Kirk, and he did sign Evan Ingram, and some of these guys have been really key contributors to the Jags. He also – I'm not trying to sit here and say that he's been this great GM. He's failed on a raft of draft picks that have made minimal to no impact over the last couple of years. Some of them have. Great. Trayvon Walker came on. I'm happy with Trayvon Walker as a player. That doesn't mean he was the right pick with the number one overall spot. You've got the choice of anybody. You better take the best guy in the entire thing, not just a guy who turns out to be pretty good. And we like Trayvon. All that's fine. Uh, So today I'm going to focus on things that can get fixed because I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, you know what, retaining Josh Allen. I absolutely think that's one of the key things this team needs to do this offseason. Regardless of whether that's Trent Baalke signing him, regardless of whomever they sign at defensive coordinator, it really doesn't matter. If you let that guy walk out the door, you're going to be like less than zero from where you started last year. You're going to be so far in the hole, you don't need to create new issues for this football team. There are plenty of issues, as we found out as the season played out. So today, your Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day, simply asking you, as it stands at this moment, Keep it in mind, like at this moment, Calvin Ridley's a free agent. Josh Allen's a free agent or a free agent to be, right? They're not under contract for 2024. So that's where things stand right now. What do you think the three biggest offseason priorities are for the Jaguars? If that's to you still major staff changes or front office, that's fine. You're welcome to express that. Just know you're probably not going to get your wish. Right, and that's that's okay. If that's what you want to focus on today, you focus on whatever you think the three biggest offseason priorities are for the Jags. I, well, I mean, the list is so extensive, so extensive that uh, I think we could do uh, like a top fifteen list easily today, and probably not duplicate each other's entire lists, um, you know, top to bottom. All right, mm-hmm. so if you want to get in today, six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines or on the text line. Designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You can hit us up on the YouTube chat or hit us up today on the X or Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, and at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket. All right, uh, Johnny O going to be along in the next hour uh, today as uh, we'll get into, um, you know, the offseason that lays out ahead of us. But we're looking for your three biggest offseason priorities for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't have to rank them necessarily one, two, three, but you can if you want to. Uh, whatever that happens to be, I've gotten uh, one fire, two Trent, and three bulky. <laughs> That's come in. I'm uh, not unexpected. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, like focus on whatever you want. I really think that. And, and now's the time, right? Express it now. Maybe it's still up in the air. Mike Vrabel was a, a bit of a surprise firing yesterday, although it's not completely out of the blue. That had been talked about as a possibility that he wouldn't be back yep. in Tennessee. Um, so things could still shift. It doesn't all happen to ha- have to happen the Monday after the season ends, but I don't get the sense that uh, there's even any discussion in Jaguar circles. Uh, you know, and, I mean, the only person it could come from is the owner, Shad Khan, and it's not like he's calling me up telling me that Balky's safe or not safe, but I don't see any smoke signals indicating that uh, there's anything on the horizon on that front. So uh, if you want to get in today, you know the ways to do it. John Ogier from Jaguars.com next hour. Let us know what issues you have, maybe with the handling of the coaching staff firings. You see Fred Taylor out there tweeting about the running backs coach (laughs) being opened up. Hey, look, Fred, don't tease us. Mm -hmm. Let us know. You want the job? Let us know. Um, Because, you know, and somebody said, what is Fred's qualifications to coach? It's Fred Taylor. 
That's that's a pretty good one uh, right there. Look, I, I get it. Just because you're a great player doesn't mean you necessarily make a great coach. I happen to think Fred's a really good communicator, listening to him break down what issues are with running backs and things like that. I think Fred would be a tremendous coach, but uh, and he would be a great legacy uh, face to that coaching staff as well. So I don't know how serious he's about that, but I'd be an avid supporter if he does want to dip his toe into those kind of waters. So uh, we'll talk about that and more coming up today with Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. Keep it right here on Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. O's with Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. I think it is number one. Uh, I think it's the biggest thing, you know, that uh, that he has to focus on, you know, moving forward. We just, we just can't have, you know, this amount of, of turnovers, how we turn the ball over, where we turn the ball, it doesn't matter. You know, we got to protect football. It's the number one thing. That's the number one thing that Trevor Lawrence needs to work on. It, it mm-hmm. may be, honestly, Tony, I flirted with that being one of the top three things that needs to be a priority for the Jags is limiting the turnovers on the offensive side. There are so many things, though, mm-hmm. that you can list here. And I think, like a lot of people, you know, improving the offensive line is a priority for me. And you hope that. Some of that leads to more effective offense, leads to more explosive running game, takes some pressure off Trevor Lawrence, gets you, you know, into more effective play action type situations, and and all that can have a cascading effect. That doesn't change the fact when he's running with the ball down the field, he can't just drop it. Sure. That, That when bodies are around him in the pocket, that he's been one of the worst fumbling quarterbacks in the National Football League since he became a starter here. Gotta, yeah. gotta be better. You don't excuse any of that. And as we've been saying throughout this season, I expect more out of Trevor Lawrence. I know he's capable of more. He's a player that was good enough down the stretch last season that he got MVP votes, right? Like that's how good he was for the back half of last season. He finished sixth in the MVP. Right. Not from us. Right. From, from the, the national. League. Right, like it's he's good enough to be that kind of player, and it felt like halfway through the year that it he was turning it on, like there was something happening with that. And then, you know, everything we're talking about with the offensive line, the run game wasn't working. They lose Christian Kirk. All these different things happen, and he turned the ball over. Right, like all of it was happening at the same time. And even if you felt like, and I did, that Trevor Lawrence was getting ready to have another back half of the season, like we saw him have. Last year, it felt to me like he was on the way to doing that halfway through the season, and then everything else collapsed on top of him. And, yeah, the the drop in the ball against Baltimore, it's inexcusable. Can't happen, and he knows that. Like, it's just that kind of stuff where it, fixing turnovers when it's just your guy putting the ball on the ground for no reason, right? There's a difference between that and trying to fit the ball in somewhere and it gets intercepted. Right? Like, that is a completely different thing to me. Like, him trying to make a play and something happening where a defensive guy makes a play, too, they're, they're paid very well. Sure. To play defense. But when it's just, I'm running, nobody's touching me, ball hits the ground, can't ever happen but again. But then there are all kinds of turnovers. There are the turnovers where you hit your receiver right in the chest and he drops it all of this of week. Yeah. There are the ones where you get a little bit too aggressive uh, trying to make a tight window throw because you're in a situation where you kind of have to to go for things. You got to crank it up, yeah. But there are also 
some really bad decisions that he's made. Sure. You're just in terms of throwing the ball into dangerous situations where it'd be better to throw it away. What we can have is every year waiting for, is this the time Trevor Lawrence is going to turn it on? How about starting off at mm-hmm. a higher level, right? And don't take half a season to hit your stride. Um, you know, had he done that this year because he had won enough games at that point, could have looked pretty special. But, you know, every one of these games, you don't know which one is going to be the deciding factor. Everyone you lose is the one you can point to and say, that's the one that kept us out of the postseason this mm-hmm. year. So whether it's back in week two, where they put nine points up against Kansas City. It's week three where they didn't look like they were ready to play against the Houston Texans. Whenever those losses come, if you had won one more of those games at any point, we'd be talking about, ah, you know what, hit the reset button. None of it matters now. Let's focus on playing against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Pockets, go ahead and fire up today's 10-10 take, please. 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by JNM Roofing Jacksonville, your storm restoration specialist. All right, look, Josh Allen, yeah, he's a priority for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably the number one priority because if you let him walk, you're 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 just setting yourself so far back from where you already are right now. You're creating an even bigger problem than you have or had coming in. But he's a free agent to be, so whether that's franchise tag or long-term extension, you've got to – retain Josh Allen okay that's fine interior of the offensive line I I don't for me those are the two easiest things to point to there are a myriad of other things that you can look at that's the low-hanging fruit though I think we all look at this offensive line and go Travis Etienne went from 5.1 yards to carry to Mm 3.8 uh they they couldn't get any push when they had to you know it's third and two and they decide well they did decide to try to run it on fourth down but you know we know how that went when Trevor try to do the, the quarterback dive there. But, you know, you're, you're rolling, you're, you get down to the goal line and you feel like we're not sure we can punch it in from the one-yard line. That's got to be rectified with the interior of this offensive line. But to me, the thing that n- takes precedence next over anything, I don't know if it's the word is culture. I don't know if it's chemistry. Something needs to be done to get the right spark in this locker room between not only the players but the coaching staff as well. There's too much in Doug Peterson's comments just about these coaching changes, too much of this, oh, we'll fix it in a meeting. Oh, oh, we'll fix it then. This disconnect, this why did we practice poorly again? Why is it why do guys seem like they don't have that fire? I don't doubt that players want to win, but it does sometimes look like you show up and you're going through the motions or you're just I don't know, expecting to maybe show up and be better than the other team or, or whatever it is. There's something that the previous season's team had, this kind of spirit, this intangible quality to them, and maybe it's just because they were in a have-to-win situation from so early in the season that everything goes out the window and they got on this roll and it made us – feel like they had better chemistry than they did because the results were better. But when you still had that same opportunity in week 18 this year and you showed up again with as flat a performance, when I say flat, you let a team that has struggled with their offensive line shove it down your throat the whole day. That's number one. And I'm not saying that the run defense was the biggest problem the whole season. I'm saying it was this week. Yes, it was. Okay, But 
the quote that Josina Anderson got, uh, one coach is leaving the Jaguars, quote, the solutions are leaving, the problems are staying, right? And again, we mentioned this early on. I don't expect anybody who gets fired to think, man, that's the right move. Fire me because I'm the problem, right? Mm-hmm. People don't generally think like that, but it does make me wonder how what kind of factions there were. Was there finger pointing? Was the offense blaming the defense? Was the defense blaming the offense? Was it coach versus player? At times, Doug Peterson was saying, hey, look, we're putting them in these all, all these different positions. They've got to go out and execute seemingly – putting it on the personnel more than the coaching staff. And then he has his end-of-season meetings. And from what Mia is saying yesterday, from the people she's talking to, he's getting a lot of feedback that these coaches on the defensive side had to go. And that decision got made awfully quickly. So what, what is happening here? Is everybody on the same page? Why do we keep having... Doug Peterson, step up to the podium after games and talk about, well, you play like you practice. Well, then, how do you not fix that? At what, mm-hmm. you know, what was fundamentally broken? And I don't know that I can define it other than better chemistry, better something. It, it, it's an intangible quality that I don't know that this team possessed enough of this year. Yeah, I think we had a listener yesterday who called in and the question hit my mind. Uh, while he was talking, we didn't discuss it during the show yesterday, but you know what you're pointing out brings me back to it. What is the team's identity? What was it at any point in this season? Uh, what will it be going into next year? It ha- It should be that you have a young ascending quarterback. I think they were so caught up in at one point in this season, that's all they had to bank on. Right, it's that Trevor Lawrence is our guy. Like, like it felt like halfway through the year, that's all they had at some points. And then he's got the ankle, and he's got the concussion, and he's got the shoulder. And like for them to have any chance, it felt like, okay, he's got to go be Superman for us this week again. And when that wasn't available to him, it was pretty clear that the identity is so tied up in that that there was nothing else for them to fall back on. But if you want to be one of those guys and the Jags are going to pay Trevor Lawrence an exorbitant amount of money at some point, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, it's coming. That's part of the deal, right? What's the identity of the Kansas City Chiefs? It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Mahomes. Right? I mean, that's pretty – it's not the same for every team. What's the identity of the Ravens? It's Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. It's how that guy plays in large part – now there are – Obviously, other components to it. I think at one point early in the season, this team's identity was they had an opportunistic uh, defense, right? That that yeah would would yeah. And the season proved out how fleeting that is. It was, but yeah. for that stretch of the season, that's what you could rely on, or yeah. almost count on, or needed to count on if you're going to have success. The and their defense chance was to get back turnovers. to whatever the early season magic was was them doing that again. Correct. Yeah. Right. It's certainly not. A team that can physically impose their will on you. Yeah. They got pushed around like way they were, too much. They were turning opponents over plenty last year, right? Like that was part of the magic of what happened down that stretch last year is they would get a big turnover in virtually every game. They would force a big turnover in a critical moment when they had to have it and give it back to their guy. Right, but and they also had that guy who was 
throwing 15 touchdowns against two interceptions for the yeah. second half of the season. So they had that complimentary football yeah. that Doug Peterson talked about as well. I just think that's like, again, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's like a certain defensive coordinator comes in and all of a sudden the chemistry is better on your team. I don't know if it's instead of just having these good character, good football character guys, you got to have a few more yeah. guys with that nasty edge to them that refuse to lose under any circumstances. And with us talking about, you know, the priorities going into the offseason, I agree. I think so much of what this team is and what the identity of the team is going to be, it's going to be tied up in 16, right? Like, that's their identity. It's and, Trevor and, Lawrence. And it should be. And it should be, which means what do you do in this offseason to highlight that guy, right? Like, this offseason needs to be about what we can do to allow 16 to be the centerpiece of everything we're doing and allow him to be as successful as he can possibly be. That being said, okay, if you could have the best center available, be that in the draft, whoever it is, in free agency, yeah. whoever the best center is that you could add to your team, would you rather have that or re-sign Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Right. Right, because yeah. Josh Allen makes everything – like, it, it's not the direct impact on Trevor that a receiver or yeah. a tight end you don't or a ignore defense because you're trying to help Trevor Lawrence and that that wasn't what I was trying to say I, I, I know, know you know that. I know you know I'm just saying in when we rank it's our priorities fine. right like I get that fans will hear that and say well what about the defense that's not what we're trying to say but if Trevor Lawrence is going to be the identity of the team and I think he can be should be right and has been treated like that then surround him right like it it needs to be better around him than it has been, especially this year. The offensive line really let him down. And I'm not saying that he didn't ever let everyone down. He did. And he carries that weight. I know he carries that weight. We see him every week carrying that weight when he steps up to the podium. He has to be better. He knows it. That doesn't mean they're not gonna they're giving up on the opportunity that Trevor Lawrence represents for the team and the franchise. They have to embrace that that's what they are. Right? Like, and if that's not who you're going to be, then show me. What else is this franchise supposed to be if it's not Trevor Lawrence? I don't, I don't even know what the other answer could be at this point. Well, with clearly that's what, what it's supposed to be. You've yeah. got a guy who's not yet 25 years old who is the number one overall pick just a few drafts ago. Right. And it came it in with all the accolades that it came in. Else. Of course it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. But that doesn't – like, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, if I had to play today – I'd rather play with the offensive line I had uh, along with Josh Allen than have a great guard added to the team and lose Josh Allen. Oh, for sure. You know, and, that, and that's all I'm saying in terms of where that, – that is just so clear-cut, you can't let that guy walk out the door. But that doesn't mean that's the only thing you can accomplish in one offseason, obviously. Look, we, phone lines are loaded. We set the table for you. So get in. Let us know what you think about off-season priorities, the ones we're discussing. Maybe we're off uh, base in your opinion, or um, maybe you're agreeing with what you're hearing or uh, whatever the case may be. Bring it to the table. Let us know, and we'll get to the lines as soon as we come out of this uh, first break right here. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Well, I feel I feel fine moving forward. I just think how we finished the last six games of the year, how we did it, 
you know, and we had we had opportunities to win these games. It wasn't like we were out of a lot of games, you know, uh, down the stretch here. It's, 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 it's we lost the game more than them winning the game, you know, and, and that's really that's really kind of been our season. Well, that's case, you know, that, again, points to kind of intangibles. How do you get the best performance out of your team every single week? What was missing from this team throughout the course of the season that they didn't get those things where they got them? Certainly, look, they started 2-6 and six last year, so they weren't getting them early on, Tone, but you hope you turn that corner and it's not like, hey, we play well for two weeks and we have a down week and whatever. It was more like, okay, we got to a certain point and we turned it on and we became this new team. That's what we hope would carry over into 2023. And it clearly didn't. It went the opposite this year. Mm-hmm. Right, it started one and two, okay, but right at the ship. Now we're eight and three. Everything's hunky-dory. We've won uh, seven out of eight. And then you go spiraling into what you had. And, and look, there are a lot of reasons for it. And we'll continue to discuss some Injuries are a part of it. I'm not saying that – that that excuses anything, you know, but just be they clear happen. on that. They happen, right? We mentioned something. It doesn't mean yeah. that's an excuse for this, right? Trevor Lawrence played with a bunch of injuries, but he needs to play better regardless. Like he himself said, you know, really most of the stuff he dealt with other than the shoulder, it's already passed it, not impacting him at all. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's got this cumulative effect of four different things he's dealing with at any one time. He's got to be better. They all got to be better. All right, let's get to it. Uh, at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. We'll start with Carson in Fruit Cove. Thanks for being patient, Carson. What's on your mind? Yes, sir. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm thinking the first thing I would do in this offseason in terms of rebuilding our offensive line, I would move Anton Harrison from right tackle to left tackle. Um, I think that we need to find a long-term solution to Trevor's blind side. Um, I don't really know what that means for Cam Robinson or Walker Little, but I, I just think uh, Anton Harrison provides us the most blind side to protect Trevor's backside. If Walker Little is getting bulldozed at right tackle, at least Trevor can see that, and he's not getting ran over and falling on Trevor. But uh, anyways, I'll take y'all's comments off the air. Thank you. I right, appreciate it, man. Yeah. I, you know, uh, Jeff Logman said he thinks that's probably the best position for him long term. Yeah. Um, I've never gotten any sense they've ever considered playing Cam anywhere but on the left side. Yeah. And, and I would suspect if Cam's back this year that he is your starting left tackle. Uh, it's a team that has – it's not that they have no cap space. They certainly don't have the cap space the other three teams in the division no. have uh, to play with this offseason. But it's not that they're – You could create they're, they're some. They're strapped, right? But they – we all thought they would be creating some, creating $15 million indeed when they moved on from Cam Robinson. Right. After this season. Is that still a decision that they want to make? At this point, with the pieces put together the way they are. We talked about it going into this year. Cam Robinson dealing with the suspension. Walker Little, I said one of my priorities for the first month of the season was to come out of that month feeling like Walker Little is the the long-term left tackle for this football team. No. No. You certainly don't feel that way right now. Are they bringing back Cam Robinson? What does that mean? right? If they want to move Anton back to left tackle because they just feel like he's the best option they have mm-hmm. at left tackle, which I don't think is a ridiculous idea uh, I don't for this either. football team. But no. it does fling open right tackle again, right, for this football team. So they'd be going into another draft, another offseason, where it's, okay, now we have to address this obviously gaping hole along the offensive line at one of the tackle positions, which is different than guard. It just is. It's different than guard. If it's one of your tackle positions you're talking about with that kind of question. So 
I was putting together my list, right, for our answer to the question mm-hmm. today. I had that at number four. Make a decision about who the left tackle is in 2024. Like, that's number four on my list, so I, I agree. What, was, with the uh, what are your first three? Uh, find a new D.C., because that has to be at the top of the list. They don't have one uh, right now. So I put that at the top of the list. Get a deal done with Josh Allen. Replace Luke Fortner. And then figure out who is the left tackle in twenty twenty. Yeah, and, and I get what you're saying with finding a new DC because they're going to have to find one. But like that's going to happen to me, you know. And I, I get, I like, get it. Like it's not like it's a choice of hey, if we they're going to have Josh a DC. Allen resigned, we're yeah. not going to have a defense coordinator. It's yeah. going to happen. Hopefully, they'll get the right one. I don't know who that is. Is it Ron mm-hmm. Rivera? People have speculated on. Uh, looks like Mike Vrabel will have his. Yeah. Options to be a head and coach you, immediately again. If we take that off the list, which is fine. Like I said, I had. You and know, it's your list. You don't have to take it's, it off. It's fine. But it's I had more than the three or four, right? The extensions. Who's getting an extension, if anybody? Trevor Lawrence? Tyson right. Campbell? Andre Sisco? Is anybody getting an, an extension for this Jaguars team? Or if you want to expand that to Calvin Ridley. And I mean, What happens you know, with Calvin? Right, right, bringing back yeah. pending free agents as well. Uh, let's go to Larry in Orange Park. Next up here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Larry. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the draft. Um, in the last two seasons, um, can you name me a, a player that stands out in, in, in the draft? I mean, unless we draft well, we're, we're not going to go anywhere. I mean, you know, take, for instance, the Detroit Lions. They had a great draft, every one of their draft picks has turned out. Can you name me one draft pick? Can I name you one? Sure, I can name you one. I can name you a few. But, you know, I mean, I think Anton well, wait, Harrison now, when you, worked when you out. Say that, when you say that, I mean, they're first and second rounders, but but really, can't, I mean. Okay, but you're, you asked me, Larry, you asked me a question. Can I name a draft pick that stands out? Do you want to yeah. limit it to beyond the first round? Or, I mean, I'm just answering no, no, your no, question. No, no, what I'm saying is, okay, so, so you're saying you're saying that I think Anton Harrison was a good draft pick. Great. I think no, Larry. What are you hearing? Why? Why can't you I'm just? Hearing you. You, you're I'm not. Hearing you're clearly not, Larry. I mean, seriously, you want me to agree with your point, a hundred percent. And if you say they haven't made a good draft pick, your point's wrong. If you say overall their drafting has been disappointing, that's a different story. But if your question is name one draft pick that's been good. Anton Harrison was a good pick. Yeah. Trayvon Walker wasn't, to me, the best pick. But you can't say he's a bad player. He had just had a 10-sack season. I mean, I think they've added a few good players in the draft. Overall, I would give them poor grades for the draft. So don't try to put words in my mouth when I name you one guy because that's what you asked for. And then you say, so you're saying they drafted well? No, I'm not. So don't try to tell me what I'm saying. Yeah. Larry, just asking you to be more precise with what you're just, critiquing. Just, just, you you yeah. can admit that Trent Baalke has made a few good draft picks and a few good free agents and still, signing and been still good not deserve to keep his yeah. job. Yeah. They haven't been good enough in the draft for him to be safe in his job, and that's good enough to, to, to make your point without saying they're not drafting anybody that's helping the team. And obviously, look, Trent Baalke's going to, it feels like right now, going to be in charge of making the draft again this year. Yeah. Right? Like he's going to be and the I guy making the picks. And I hope he makes good picks. And they are in a position because they are more limited than the other three teams in the division when it comes to salary cap space. We'll see what decisions they make with Cam Robinson and others going throughout this offseason. But they're going to be in a position, again, that whatever catching up they're going to do, 
right, to the to the Houston's and the Indianapolis Colts, who have a ton of space uh, to spend on all these different options going into this offseason. They're going to be busy when it comes to free agency. Those two teams are going to be busy when it comes to all those things. Odds are whatever space you're really going to make up is going to be Trevor Lawrence has that big step that we all thought that he could take in year three, but it'll be happening in year four. But he and better. they hit on a draft class. Right? Here, like that's where their improvement's going to really come from. And, and if you, even if you, what does hitting on this year's draft class even look like? We though? don't know what the draft class is. Right. We don't even, will you have a second round pick? Will you not have a second round pick because of the Calvin Ridley type situation? Like, I, you know, j- again, I, let's move on. Um, Mike in Atlantic Beach is up next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having me on. You're welcome. My three picks would, my three picks would be round pick, my wish list. Let's get a uh, place kicker that's money. <laughs> I think we need one. I think secondly, we need to replace uh, all maybe two of our linebackers with some veteran linebackers, and then lastly, I would bring Derrick Henry home. I'll take your thoughts. Well, uh, when you when you say replace two of our linebackers with veteran linebackers, which two are you replacing? Well, I appreciate that one. I I just think our linebacker core uh, could be a little more aggressive, uh, uh, with especially with Josh Allen having the year he had and Trevon Walker coming around the well, way he had. That, that's two of your starting four linebackers, so you're not replacing them, I take it, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I look at them. Well, okay, maybe uh, let me rephrase uh, it. You're, in, I, you're I inside those, linebackers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Are you yeah. replacing Foyer Aluakon? No. Okay. He's, he's something. Are you replacing Devin yes. Lloyd? Yes. You are. You're replacing him with a, so you're going to bench a, a first round pick from two years ago. See, those are the guys. Yeah. There, there's they cannot afford it. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it, and that, it's your priority list. That's why I just wanted to drill down when you say replace a couple of our linebackers. Who are we talking about here? I mean. You have to get improvement from your young linebackers. I don't think they can afford to go out there. To, you can't afford to bench a guy that you spent multiple draft picks to trade up into the first round on who's still as young as Devin right. Lloyd is. and has the, still drafting one in the third and fourth round. Like, they drafted another inside linebacker the, the third round years. that year, and they drafted Ventrell in the fourth round this year. They're so heavily invested in inside linebacker, it's they're over burdened at that position right now. I mean, look, you uh, Foye Lewican, I don't know how much cap savings there is if you moved on from him, right. um, but he's making a – I mean, he's going to get to that point now. I think they envisioned, okay, we're going to sign Foye for a big number, and he's going to lead this young linebacking core, and in a few years, they'll be the guys to replace him, yeah. basically, right? They're, he's going to bring him up. They'll play alongside him until eventually they'll take his place in the lineup. I I, I just think that is yeah. so far down the priority list for what because they have so many needs. I'm not saying they that Devin Lloyd doesn't need to be better. I'm just saying, man, can you really afford to take one of the young pieces out of your team that has some potential and go out there and find a, a veteran to replace him and put that on the bench? I mean, you you want to talk about squandering even more draft capital? You got to find a way to get more out of Devin Lloyd. That you've got to find a coaching staff on the defensive side that can get what they saw out of him as a first round pick. And by the way, they weren't the only one who graded Devin Lloyd as a first round pick that year. A lot of people had Devin Lloyd graded as a first round pick. 
hasn't played to that level, but I think that's uh, you're you're almost pot committed to him. Yeah, and I don't think you're doing anything with your roster to address that position beyond what you've already done, right? Like if you decide that Devin Lloyd, it's not going to work. I think that just means Chad Muma plays a lot or Ventra Miller plays a lot. I don't think that they need to be investing any more in the draft at inside linebacker. They don't need to be spending money in free agency when they're already going to be more strapped. so far down the list. Right, like it's just they don't have the resources to address a position that they've already addressed as heavily as they have at inside linebacker like that. Mike, uh, appreciate it. Look, again, we're not – That doesn't mean that Kevin Lloyd's been good enough. Right. He's got to be better too. I'm not saying that that excuses the level of play you've gotten from Devin Lloyd, but whatever answers they're going to have – for pivoting from that guy or whatever's in the building. I, I think that's far down the list of, uh, yeah. of of concerns for this team. But, hey, appreciate it. Uh, let's get Ann and St. Nicholas before we hit the break. Ann, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Hi, sure, thanks. Uh, this is more of a dis- uh, full disclosure, more of a pop-off than anything else. But if I hear any more from that team about losing their spark, let me tell you, marriages lose their spark. White-collar workers returning from the Christmas Holidays lose their spark. These guys are living their dream. If they want that spark that they lost, look at their bank accounts and get back to work. That's all I have to say. I don't want to hear any more about the spark. Have a good day. Thank you, Ann. Appreciate you. Um, Look, uh, I think that's right. Like something that that always is going to be a disconnect. How can you not get fired up? All you have to do is show up for really – your performance 17 times a year. Yeah, you're right? very well paid. You can have a bad day of practice, whatever. You're going to get judged on 17 days of work for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, the, this we're not fired up to play. Uh, that That's always going to be a refrain from a lot of people. Uh, you know, don't want to hear that excuse. And, and that's why I said that, that is one of my priorities. They need to find a way to where that's not an issue. That intangible quality that, that we thought they had that aspect of it nailed coming into this year. Wouldn't you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Like coming off that 2022 season, it seemed like that is where they they checked every box and then it all just seemed to go away. I don't know. I don't know what – and I don't think it's as simple as one answer for why that is, but I understand Ann's point of view. Don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about lack of intensity, lack of effort. We're human. Hey, if we only had to show up 17 days a year and give a great performance, we might actually be good in maybe <laughs> nine or ten of those. All right, uh, six four one ten ten. if you want to get in, and a bunch of you apparently do. We'll continue to take your uh, reactions and thoughts as we're looking for your top three offseason priorities for the Jaguars. John Ogier will join us from Jaguars.com coming up on the other side. This is Jaguars Today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. <laughs> Nobody knows the Jags like Johnny O. Oh, knows. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. All right, hour two is here. Jaguars today moving on in a very non-contentious offseason, to be sure. <laughs> John Osier, Jaguars.com. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Final uh, final run uh, for us for a while. So, is uh, it? For you and me, I think, right? I don't know. Are you planning on not coming in or i'd be glad to i did we'll see you next week yeah last couple of years i haven't uh, see, done the offseason we'll see you next week i look forward we'll, to it. We'll, we'll talk on the break all right <laughs> okay because uh I look forward to it um 
Yeah. News I, to me. Good year. I, I told we're saddled with you for a while, actually. Uh, so. Well, good for me, not so good for you in turn. So. Probably true. But that that's all all kidding aside. Um, John, what did you make of the decision to wipe out the defensive staff? couple of uh, select offensive assistants. Press Taylor uh, keeps his job. Uh, basically, Doug Peterson, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically said he's done a great job or a yeah. good job, right? And Trent Baalke, it appears that's not a Doug Peterson decision. Doesn't appear like there's going to be any movement on that front. I haven't heard any yeah, smoke I, on that. Yeah, I uh, until I hear differently, uh, I'll assume all that. Uh, as far as press specifically, look, um, he and Doug are in lockstep. I mean, Doug, they called plays half first half, second half last year. I never got the impression this year that Doug thought that Press was calling the games uh, any differently than he would have called. So uh, I know people don't like that, but when you're trying to figure out would he part ways with him, I, I never considered that he would because I think – I don't want to say that Press was you know Doug's voice, but for the most part – I think they're in lockstep. I think it would be like firing yourself almost because I think you're, I think he's doing things the way that Doug would do it. Um, so what what would you say was the better side of the ball this year, offense or defense? Um, for the first three months, I would say defense. Okay. Uh, at the end, um, probably would have given the nod to offense. Overall, but I kind of get your point. I mean, I well, I, it, even if you it, do right, yeah. three quarters of the season, you'd say defense better than offense. Yeah, and then it 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 really went away in big situations and really couldn't stop the run. Oh, I agree. Um, Look, th- yeah, this I, yeah. week I thought the the run defense Surprising. never gave him a chance to win the football right, game, exactly. right, right from the jump. Yeah, but I do. If you're asking me which side performed better, and part of it is I think expectation because we expected the offense to be at a certain level. And it didn't reach yeah, that, and yeah, we expect the defense to be bad. Right. And when it outperformed that, maybe we gave him more credit than it still wasn't good. Yeah, but it was opportunistic. Yeah, I think the offense really, uh, it was sort of the same offense as last year with with injuries mixed in until the end of the season, and I don't know the exact week, but I remember tracking it through about November, early December. The numbers, I think, they were about. Ten yards a game off from last year, and about the same points. And then I think at the end, injuries with Trevor Christian Kirk. I think it sunk a little bit after that. So the offense didn't get much better, but it was it was about the same. It was inconsistent. Offense time. was about down a point. Defense allowed yeah. about a point more a game. Yeah. So roughly. Uh, yeah. I, I I guess the rationale because Doug hasn't talked since then, so I I have to sort of assume and. Uh, speculate I think overall just the fact that they weren't able to stop the run or weren't able to fix some gap integrity issues all season I think part of it is just when you lose five of six you've I think there's a feeling in the league now you've got to change something and that's what Doug felt like he could change all right well he gives his wrap-up press conference on Monday so it's going to take a little time to think about things three hours later the entire defensive staff is Basically, so right. I, I'm asking you: Do you think that this was something that he thought was coming? Neil O'Brien said that she thought that the exit interviews with players weighed heavily. In yeah, this. probably. I, my guess is Doug 
either had already or knew he was going to do the defense thing because he talked at 3 o'clock. That's something that coaches generally want to – it's going to sound silly. They want to keep that as low-key as possible when that happens. You can't low-key a mass firing, but doing it after you speak to the media uh, maybe makes it a little bit where you don't talk about the – specifics of it or something where it's a little lower key where it offers the coaches some dignity i think that was probably the motivation there it's sort of impossible to do in this day and age are are you surprised like there's nobody like and i get it sometimes you want the new defense coordinator to come in and hire his staff whatever the case do you think a do you think there's somebody they have in mind in particular or it's just a philosophy that whoever comes in we want to be able to start fresh I, i think probably the latter um Again, it's hard because you didn't really talk to Doug at all to get any sort of a of a hint. Um, I think for the most part, it was if we're going to hire somebody and if if we're going to change things, then that person's going to want to bring their in guys. Usually, um, what happens is you make a change like this, and usually most of the staff goes anyway. It's just not that they're told they have to. It's more. You fire a defense coordinator and you tell the other assistants, hey, feel free to look for jobs. They usually do. They don't get hired. And it happens more organically, I guess is the word. Whereas here it's more, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's get a couple calls in before this uh, next break here. Folks have been waiting patiently to weigh in. We're talking today about your three top offseason priorities for the Jags. You don't have to have three if you've got one. If you want to discuss one aspect, it's all fair game. Uh, John in Orange Park is up next. Good morning, John. Good morning. Hey, just to get out of the way real quick, first, uh, thinking about Press Taylor, which I had thoughts of originally, but I would say, hey, we had not a problem when they were 8-3 and three with his play calling as much as he got brought up after we had our bad 5-6. and six. So I don't necessarily think it's Press Taylor. What my biggest thing is, I think, is, is it's we need more quality depth on this team. We do have a lot of good players. But what happens is, like wide receiver tight end core, you lose two of those four, you're left with two good ones, but other teams can key off and double team on those key ones. Uh, bottom line, I just think if we want to get to that playoff championship level, we need to have quality depth. And I'm going to take it off there and see what you think. All right, appreciate it. I don't, I don't doubt that you know, like championship team needs quality depth. I don't – me personally this year, I don't feel like that was – the the oh, like I get yeah, it you're you're without Zay that. Jones yeah. for a while right but like I feel like Christian Kirk, uh, Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram or or three of those four being on the field at the same time mm-hmm. is enough to I mean you know Kansas City basically has Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice in terms of guys that they can count on Rice as a rookie this year and granted it's Patrick Mahomes and I know it's a different level I'm just saying like I think what they had was enough barring a wave of injuries. And I get it. When you're missing Zay and Kirk at the same time, it's going to show up to some degree. But you still had a 100-catch tight end. Yeah. And you still had a 1,000-yard receiver in Calvin Ridley. And I and I don't de- – their depth needs to be better. Sure. I just think they're – That didn't gotta, feel the like needs the trigger to be better. point this year. You know what I mean? That didn't feel like what – that didn't feel defining to me. If you've all, uh, I, I agree. And, and I, I don't disagree with John's point that – if you want to be a championship team, you're going to have to withstand some injuries at key positions, okay? 
Um, nobody can expect to do it like Cleveland has where they lost their quarterback, tried another one, didn't work, tried another one, didn't work, and then hit on a guy who was sitting on his couch and he's playing like he was 25 years old. You can't old. plan for that. You right? can't, right. right. I mean, so that, that's, right. Just, that's just good fortune that kind of falls yeah. into your lap. And yeah, I, I think you good. see the illustration of San Francisco this year. When they lost three frontline guys. They lost three in a row. Right. Like, it, it doesn't take much with even the great teams in the league to see where the cracks are in the entire roster. So, look, I don't think it's a bad point. They need to get better as far as the depth on the roster, but I don't think there's any team in the league that you look at them and say, look how deep they are. It's just not the way you ha- you can even try to build teams in today's NFL. You Occasionally, we're watching Puka Nakua go deep, right, for the Rams. They happen to nail that guy late in the draft. They get to expose that for the next three years. He's cheap. Right? And really productive. That's not how most teams are built. They're not that lucky to have those kind of opportunities. When you get them, take advantage of them. Well, and that's the thing. Are they luck? There's some luck element to it, but they also hit. I mean, they hit on Kyron Williams two years ago in the fifth round. They hit on Puka this year. Now, if they really knew how good they're going to be, would they – Right. Wait till the fifth round to take them. If anyone so, knew. There, right. Yeah. There is a little bit of luck element, but all these other teams are finding these guys. Mm-hmm. Not every team is, but there are enough guys that get found. at Like when you draft Snoop Connor, when Kyron Williams is sitting out there and he does what he did this year yeah. and he showed that kind of potential, it's gonna be a conversation. you blew the pick. Right. You blew the pick when you had a guy at the same position who is much better than what you – ultimately felt like was the best option for your football team. It's one thing, like, if you take a running back and some middle linebacker hits because you were focusing, you know, later in the draft on another position, that's a little bit more excusable. But when a guy that at a position you were looking at know you needed or felt you needed. There's a bunch of cards up there, and you didn't pick that one. You didn't pick it. And to to the point where the very next year you had to go back into the third round and take a guy who then you basically didn't play most of the year. You know, so, yeah, look, again. Plenty of issues uh, with the with the drafting, the depth included. Uh, Jonah in Murray Hill is next up. Good morning, Jonah. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. What's up? So, uh, I would say my three uh, points of emphasis for the offseason. One would be just to try and beef up, um, you know, if not the interior line itself, depth on the interior line. Um, I think you saw pretty quick that, Outside of an inside zone in that, that sweep play that they like to run where the, the, the guard and the center pull, um, the, the line really wasn't getting too much push um, that latter half of the season. And then that was putting more pressure on Trevor. Um, what he throw? 14 picks this year. A handful of them were just miscommunications uh, by receiver tight end. And then there were a couple that were just dropped. Right? So you can't blame him. Um, it is hard to put all that on your quarterback. Um, and I think, too, obviously hitting on some of those those later round picks, um, like you guys had mentioned with the, the Snoop Connor and the Tank Bigsby, uh, you know, decisions for the for the draft. Obviously, yeah, it'd be nice to go out and, and, and draft a Kyron Williams. Um, but, you know, scouts didn't see it that way, so it is what it is. Um, I think getting a solidified uh, corner, would help as well. Um, draft capital is going to be tight, so I don't I don't think you could go out and spend money on a big free agent guy, but maybe find some value in the draft. Um, 
injuries pile up, uh, you know, fatigue piles up. Um, it's catastrophic to go from eight and three to nine and eight. Um, it's going to be a long off season, but hopeful that they can correct these issues and, and have a strong start to next year. All right. Thank you, uh, Joan. Appreciate it. I look offensive line. That is the main point I took away from that. It's yeah. obviously the interior of the offensive line needs to have a drastic improvement. Yeah. You if know? you don't do it with new personnel, the, Personnel there has got to play a lot better. So, and, I mean, and after a certain point, expecting the same people I, to yeah. improve greatly is is kind of foolhardy. Now, I thought the the overall inability to trust the run more than anything else defined the season. And and they shouldn't have trusted it. No, because no, they no, couldn't no, run. No, I get it. it right? I, I've been asked a million times. I'm sure you guys have too. What about those awful play calls on third and one and fourth and one? I don't know that I would have called run plays there. I said on Monday, John, that if they did and they don't make it in, sure, everyone's right. calling up going, well, you know you can't run. Right. What? Do you, how stupid do you have to be to right. run it twice? But when you fail by the sure. other – whatever, you have to score from third and goal at the one. You have to score if you're taking two when shots When I was watching those plays from the press box, my only thought was – They have no confidence. I did, Well, A, they have no confidence in – I, I was thinking, I don't want them to run here because I don't think they'll make it. And it's not that I didn't want them to make it. I don't know. Though. As Tony pointed out, the Bigsby had just converted like a third and two. Yeah. But you, you, true. I mean, and, and all look, that. Maybe but, you run it on third down, you get half the distance, and then right. Trevor's dive is successful. Yeah. You know, you don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. Or maybe the right. ball gets knocked but out of his hands. But the point or, is, you were at a point there, third and one, right call, wrong call. You had had a running game all season that you didn't trust, and you didn't trust it there for rightly or wrongly, and it's what it cost you. You've got to get a running game you can trust. Right, and I think to me that – I don't think Travis Etienne became a bum overnight. No, I didn't mean about Travis. No, I know. I mean, I'm not right, saying yeah. you said that. I'm saying to me that it all comes down to the five guys up front, yeah. or the majority of it comes yeah. down to the five Whatever guys up front. Whatever it is, up front. you got to be able to trust it. All right, we'll take a time out. If you're on the line, if you stay there, we'll get to you coming up in this next segment at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, John Osher, and Dylan Denmark here with you. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. His name is John Osher. Oh, knows. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars on 1010XL. All right, your Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day is uh, simply your top three biggest offseason priorities for the Jags as it stands today. As it stands today, Josh Allen's not under contract going forward. Uh, that, to me, is priority number one. may not be for you, but it is for me. Uh, Calvin Ridley's not under contract, and that's not in my top three priorities. But quite frankly, I, I'd love to swap him out for T. Higgins, but I think in the end something will happen where T. Higgins stays in Cincinnati. That's starting to be the word, right? Like I mean, I guess, or... but they got to pay. They got to pay Chase. Chase is going to get one of those thirty million dollar a year deals. Yeah, I saw a projection. These wide receiver or these free agent projections are silly talk sometimes because I look at one for T. Higgins. It was like. Four years, 16 and a half per year. Are you kidding me? Yes. Are you kidding? I mean, we got right. Christian Kirk for more than that yeah, okay. a couple of yeah. years ago. T. Higgins is considered to be a better player, and he'll have, I would think, a much bigger market than Christian Kirk had. And that Christian Kirk's been phenomenal 
by the way. Yeah, Teague is more prototypical. He's I mean, yeah. He might have gone to Clemson, you know, at some point. Right. You know, might have. I want to get that connection going. Pair him here. up with Travis Etienne. I, I, I would love that. You know, for all those <laughs> halfback option plays that we're going to run, John. Yes, you're you're reading my mind right there. I really am. That's you really are. All right. Let's uh, before we get any deeper here, we'll get back to your calls in a moment. Uh, let's go around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Tennessee Titans have fired head coach Mike Vrabel after six seasons with the team. Miles Garrett, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, and Kareem Hunt all missed practice on Tuesday for the Browns. Each was listed with an injury designation and arrest or personal designation for being the reason why they missed practice, except for Kareem Hunt, who was listed with just a groin injury. Miami assigned linebackers Justin Houston and Bruce Servin. Devon A. Chan, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle were all limited at practice on Tuesday for the Dolphins, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have officially ruled out linebacker T.J. Watt for this weekend's playoff game. All right, thank you, Tony. Uh, 6-4-1-10-10, I would love to try to figure out how the Jags are going to win this week without player X being available to them, whomever that nice. would yeah. happen to be. Stun- I mean, just Wouldn't stunning. That, that just the, the difference in that alone just having a home playoff game maybe you win it and then your season is generally a success even yeah. though you didn't take a step forward from last year you didn't go backwards from last year either. and <laughs> until last week I thought they had a decent chance if, if they got in to win the first I did but too I, I, the way they played last week I don't I, right if they played right. like that they weren't going to beat Cleveland or anybody else for that matter mm-hmm. uh, at that point uh six four one ten ten uh, Justin in Bryceville is next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Justin. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing today? Doing all right, man. What's up? Um, <clears throat> so my three priorities. Um, I'm gonna go backwards. Uh, the third one, I would probably say the cornerback uh, play, um, the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like we were we were kind of struggling in that area. Um, number two would be um, be the offensive line. For sure. Okay. And then number one would be, um, I, I I strongly believe uh, they need to do something besides uh, Trent Bulky. Um, you know, you, y'all were talking about death and stuff, but ultimately that that comes on to the general manager with drafting and free agency and stuff. And I just don't feel like he's done a very good job in the last four years. And I'm sure y'all probably addressed this already, but uh, I just don't want to beat a dead horse. But um. Just want to say y'all are doing a wonderful job, and I appreciate it. All right, Justin, that's up for debate, but we appreciate it. Um, <laughs> look, uh, I get it. I, I first of all, Trent Bulky's been totally in charge for two years, mm-hmm. right? He said, "I'm not." So that way, he doesn't get any credit or any blame to me. If Dave Caldwell was a GM, he's the final voice in the room. Like, I'm not going Ethan Wall. What kind of a bad job Ethan Wall did as in the assistant to the GM? Last year here. Um, nobody here is stumping for Trent Baalke. I'm, I'm not speaking for John. I'm talking sure. about me and, and Tony here. Nobody's stumping for Trent Baalke. But, look, I think you're going to have to accept the reality that if he's here, you're not going to – I hope you still want to find ways for this team to improve, right? That that even if it's Trent Baalke signing off on whatever name they turn in, hopefully the guy that they pick at 17 or wherever their first pick ends up being is the right guy. Right, he. It's not like every move he's made has been the wrong one since he's been in charge. I would move on from him. 
But if they don't, like, like to me, if they don't re-sign Josh Allen, I don't care if it's Trent Baalke re-signing him or anybody else re-signing him, what are you going to do right. next year uh, for a pass rush? How, where are you going to find something to replicate what Josh Allen was able to give you, not only give you, but allow some of the attention to come off of Trayvon Walker to help him start to flourish a little bit, particularly in the second half of the season. Um, you're not going to find an argument, I, I don't think, from almost anybody at 1010XL. If we had the, the final vote, we'd vote for a new general manager. But if it doesn't happen, I still hope that they can check off the things on the checklist. Trent Baalke's present. I get the, the argument is, well, Trent Baalke's not going to make the right decisions. And maybe he's not, but maybe he is. Right? Whoever is there, the new GM, if you fire Trent Baalke, isn't necessarily going to make the right decisions either. Right. Right? GMs fail all the time. So no matter who it is, to me, my focus is on the decisions that are going to get made. And I hope whether it's him making those decisions, which it looks like it will be mostly in conjunction with Doug Peterson, that there are more good ones than bad ones. Right, because if, if, if you don't make a decision, that's – I guess neither here nor there in terms of following the rest of the offseason. You can either start a conversation with, well, I, I hate the person who made the decision, or you can talk about the decision, right? That's what you're saying. You know, so. Right, and, and he's made some good decisions. And, and when you – I only bring them up to try to be fair. Like, right. I don't think Trent – if you didn't have any of the guys that Trent Baalke's brought in, you wouldn't have the season Evan Ingram just had. You wouldn't have had what Christian Kirk has done for the last year and a half. You, you wouldn't have had Calvin Ridley. You, uh, now – Maybe you would have had other guys, right? And maybe they would have been better. Maybe they would wouldn't have, have been had worse. Foyer last year, you wouldn't have had a team put together last year that got you out of the depths and got in a position to give you hope this year. But so. saying that, that can be that can be factual, and the other part of that can be, but it's still not good enough, right? And that's where I'm at. That okay, but I just I'm just trying to have a fair conversation when people are like. You know, the guy calls up and says, you can't name one good draft pick. Name, name one good draft pick Trent Baalke's made. You make one, and they're like, oh, so you're saying he's a great drafter. No, I'm not. I'm I just trying to be question. fair. There are, he, has right. ma- he hasn't failed on every single draft pick. I think Antonio Johnson was a good pick this year, right? But you can't point to a guy in the fifth round and say, oh, this part-time player was maybe our second best pick this year for a team that had as many picks as the Jags had, as many <laughs> bites at the apple. Sorry, Brenton Strange wasn't a good pick this year. He may turn out to be a good player. He had very minimal impact on this team this year. For a team that had aspirations to go into the playoffs and go deep, Tank Bigsby was a bad pick this year. He may have a fantastic career. If you didn't draft Tank Bigsby, if you passed on the third-round pick, would there have been any difference in the outcome of this season? Nope. Not a bit. Not a bit. And then, I mean, most of the other guys, Parker Washington only played out of Complete necessity. Mm-hmm. He didn't force his way into the conversation at any point. So nobody is taking a look at this and saying uh, we're giving out straight A's on this report card. Uh, Michael on the south side next up on Jaguars today. Hello, Michael. Good morning, man. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of feeling real weird about this whole Caldwell firing and stuff like that because I just feel like he – if. They added something on the defensive line that was clearly a need since last year, and uh, we still ended up in this spot. I can understand. But clearly it wasn't enough upgrade, which was needed. And I feel like what we saw was the results of the decision, basically the fallout of the decision. I just don't like that. Because it's like 
It screams scapegoat, and maybe somebody who would come, but of a seasoned veteran DC, who would want to come to that knowing that if a situation comes and you're not giving the pieces that clearly is needed, you're going to be the scapegoat. And it's kind of like it's kind of like the situation when you're working at a fast food restaurant. If the GM don't give you enough meat to cover the lunch rush, you fire the shift manager instead of the manager who's supposed to order the right food, the right amount of food. But you fire the shift manager who's in charge of the shift that ran out of meat besides the GM that was supposed to order enough meat. And that's just the equivalence. Maybe it's wrong. I just see it like that. Like the GM clearly dropped the ball. And unfortunately, Mike Caldwell is the sacrifice. Not sacrifice, but just the one. I hear what you're saying. No, Michael, thank you. Look, I I understand that point of view, right? I also understand that when – you have a season that disappoints. The coach is going to probably move on from somebody. The head mm-hmm. coach is going to move on from somebody. Not going to move on from himself. Right. And as you say, John, he looks at Press Taylor like as an extent. He's doing what, you know, if you had a defensive-minded head coach and it was the other circumstance, you probably would have been hire, firing the offense coordinator right. this week. Right. Press and, runs Doug's scheme. He, they're in meetings all the time. They're almost of one mind. Right. So an indictment of him is an indictment on himself, and that the head coach is not going to throw himself on the chopping block like that. Now, granted, you get to a certain point, if you want to keep your job, you know, some guys are like, hey, I'm not going to fire my guy. This is how Doug was up in Philly, Mm -hmm. right? And you got to decide then as the owner, do you want to continue on with the head guy? But you can't expect the head guy to throw himself out there and on the chopping block. Um I will say this about Mike Caldwell. Did the defense get better? The The two edge rushers had better seasons this year. But overall, when you looked at this defense, like, I agree. They didn't add any shiny new pieces right. to it, right? And Devon Hamilton, who was the guy that they counted on to be maybe their best interior player on the defensive line, yeah, that ha- had a freak injury. Right. And he basically was ineffective the entire year, right? It wasn't him. It was like a completely right. wasted year. So I, I get it, and they did add. They they at least went out. They lost Juwan Taylor, but they replaced him in the draft. They did add Ezra Cleveland. They added Calvin Ridley. They added more pieces to the offense, yeah. and yeah. that offense took a step back just like the defense did. So I totally understand that point of view as Mike Caldwell, the scapegoat here. But I also understand why logically, because Doug Peterson is the offensive-minded coach and Press Taylor is his protege, that that's the way it went down. That's yeah. the reality sometimes in coaching circles. Yeah. Bad radio, but really nothing to add. That's well, exactly and, and, right. And granted, I, I don't think there's a anyone around the league. I think a veteran guy who has an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator is going to go, I'm going to do better with this. They, they've regressed. They, they got it run down their throat by Derrick Henry. I'm not going to not take that job. Guys, there are very few times when – Coaches now, if you have a bunch of options, that's one thing. Sure, I don't know who's going to be beating down I think, I think some you of look these at coaches' this doors. And you say, "Well, now if I'm a coordinator, I do say we're getting 41 back, right? Right? Do I have the pieces <laughs> in right. place? Right? Yeah. I mean, that, and that's and, why that's priority number and, one. Right? And but I think you look at a couple of guys who combined for what 27 sacks on the outside, which was what uh, Trayvon and Josh did as a coordinator for looking at, at from the outside. You think, okay, I got those pieces, and Devon Hamilton. I'm going to bring my scheme, right. which is going to be more aggressive or less aggressive whatever or whatever it it's going to be. And yeah, we'll hear that for yeah, we'll hear that. You know, but uh, we want to be aggressive, John. Well, what defensive coordinator has ever not I just said that? Love intro press conferences, by the way. Um, 
sarcasm font. But uh, and you got Foyer, who who's a solid tackler in the middle. You have you know so. From an outside point of view, you've got pieces. Nobody won't take this job for the reasons that he cited. I, I don't believe that, right. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, coaches get fired. All the, Mike Vrabel just got fired. You think right. some head coach in Canada's going to go, I'm not going to go there. They're going to fire Vrabel. What kind of right. life expectancy will I have? Because nobody – they don't think like that. They think, no. I'm not going to be like him. I'm going to win. You know? So, anyway, right. that that's not my concern at this point in time with that. I do understand the feeling that – Mike Caldwell's a scapegoat, but I I also feel like sort of the way the league works. My, Mike Caldwell's defense didn't do enough for him to to for me to go. Damn right, he deserves to keep his job. Same with Press Taylor, by the way. You know, I'm not saying that, and it just so happened to be because of the like you said that this Doug Peterson is running through Press Taylor what he wants to run, yeah. and if he's executing it the way he wants it done. All you can say is, I guess my offense isn't good enough, right? right? Maybe I'm the one who needs to go, and nobody's ever going to say that. Well, and from his, from his point of view, that offense has, has uh, won a lot of Super Bowls. So that's where he comes from. It, it may have, but it didn't this year. No, no, not here. But I mean, couldn't run it. Philosophically, he's not going to say this offense doesn't work. Right. Oh, the offense may work, but then you they're all kind of – just because that offense sure. works doesn't mean – Anyone who runs it deserves a job in perpetuity either. I know right. that's not what you're saying. Uh, we got a final segment coming up if you want to get in at 641-1010, and uh, we'll recap some of our top off-season priorities for the Jags. There are many of them. We'll do that next on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Nobody knows the Jags like Johnny O. Oh, knows. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. All right, top three off-season priorities for this team. Already ran through them earlier. I'll yeah. uh, just get bullet point mine. Retain Josh Allen. Okay, whether whatever that looks like. Franchise tag, hopefully a long-term deal that both sides are happy with. Retain Josh Allen. Improve the offensive line, particularly the interior of the offensive line. And... Fix the intangible quality that that seemed to be missing this yeah. year, and I, I I can't define it any greater than that. You know the the football character, the want to, the edge, the the nastiness, the dogs in the locker room, the whatever it is that the, the this this you know this can't have Doug Peterson going. Ah, oh, you play like you practice. Why are you practicing back? Like where where's that that everything matters. Every moment we're out there, and that's what Doug tried to impress upon in his season-ending press conference. You don't know what game is going to be the one that ultimately costs you. So just some of that that they had, that, that I don't know if spirit is the right word, but the intangible factor that they had in 2022, they need to get back in 2024. Tony, your top three things. My uh, top three things, uh, Josh Allen would be at the top of the list, and then a couple of different offensive line things, I do divide them. Who is the left tackle in 2024 between the three guys that it could be uh, on the roster right now and replace Luke Fortner? Like, I just – I don't think he needs to be the center for the football team in 2024 and going forward with how bad 2023 went for him. Yeah, I'd say Josh is number one with a bullet. Um, obviously, you have to figure that out. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about consistency. So – I'll move the one that you talked about to number two, because to me that was the thing that just that urgency, that uh, not valuing every moment, 
I like there's think. a right there. Yeah. It, there's different ways it shows up. Right, but, but it's all in the same it category. Year. It's the same thing, and I get the offensive line part, and it's important. But without the part that we're talking about, I'm not sure all the details matter that much. Uh, but you got to whether it's offensive line, whether it's personnel, whether it's changing what they're doing. They must be able to rely on the run next year. Figure out, you know, and if that's improving the interior of the offensive line personnel, which I, to me, that's what you do, um, that's got to be done. You can't go through a season not trusting to be able to run again. Wing T offense as well. Just <laughs> no doubt. Full time wing T is probably the way to go. Uh, bring in Pockets. He's a big wing T guy. Pockets will coach him up. I'll run the Veer. How the Veer? Whatever, yeah. man. Just win. If you win. We'd love it. We'd be like, we're the baddest Veer team in ASC, baby. We wouldn't care. We just want to win, honestly. Like, we should have been doing this for years. The Veer. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, uh, Matt Hayes is here. Uh, hello, Matthew. How are you? You get a couple of those Bulls disciples, Corky Rogers disciples, and run their wing team. Or uh, <laughs> Bob Williams in Orange Park back in yes, the day. Back in the ran day. the wing team uh, right to the state yes. semis. Matt, in terms of fixable <laughs> things, right, um, what, what are your top three bullet point things for the Jags this offseason? Protect the quarterback. That's number one. Number two, um, I think Doug needs to work more with Trevor Lawrence, too. I think he needs to work more hands-on with Trevor Lawrence. Okay. And if that means he's got to – Focus more on that than other things. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. As long as you get a DC that's experienced and knows what he's doing, I'm I'm okay with that. And then, like John said, the offensive line's got to be a huge, huge issue, both in the run game and pass pro. No Josh Allen in that top three, huh? I think it's a given. I think that's a given. Well, then you got a top four. So is that if that's a given? Is that number one? Is <laughs> yeah, that the given, number one but, thing? But givens don't count. Sure they do. You got to you, you get you get three things to fix. And whether it's a given or not, you you, you don't get a freebie. Well, I, don't, I don't know, but are you fixing him or are you just signing him? That that if you're not, you're creating a problem, right? I think you just sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think we all agree. I mean, look, you, there's certain areas that <laughs> in some capacity need improvement. He's going to be franchise or he's going to be signed. right. One way or the other. So we'll see. And then it becomes, what do you do with Calvin Ridley, and how do you do it with Calvin Ridley, and what's the timing of when you do it with Calvin Ridley, and and all the I, honestly, the best thing for this team would be to get Josh Allen signed to a. Yep. Long-term extension that doesn't crush you in the first year, salary cap-wise, gives you a little bit of extra flexibility. Because the tag makes perfect sense for Calvin, but it's hard. You obviously can't use it if you use it on John. Right, and if you don't like, and there's thoughts that if you do tag Calvin, and he doesn't sign it till after the draft, that maybe that compensation because you haven't technically signed him to an extension, right. you're still only giving up the third-round pick yes. to Atlanta. That's you know that there are some technical ways around that. I don't know. I didn't realize that. That's kind of cool. I, that, that's what people, that's like D-Rock and Shipley have suggested that they think that that's a way around that potentially. I, that's my understanding. Not because if you inside, But if you sign the franchise tag, if you're Calvin Ridley, that to me is you've signed an extension. Like, so if you sign that before the draft, you know, you're going to have to have Calvin Ridley on board to play that game with you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's certainly within his right to go out there and sign that tag as soon as it's applied, if it were to go that, that way. That may or may not be con- collusion. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I don't think Just that's throw that out. I don't think that's collusion at all. If you work with a player, it's like going to a player and saying, hey, would you 
restructure your contract mm, so we can sign another free you're, agent. You're kind of you're kind of keeping Atlanta from getting that second. Absolutely, pick this year. you're keeping Atlanta from getting that second pick. That's what I mean by collusion. I think that might be. Uh, they, I, I, I don't think that I put it this yeah. way. I think they walk that line it. a lot where they release players that right. they know aren't going to go. It's like right. we know teams may call you. We're bringing you back. Right. Like, they right. do that kind of thing all the time anyway. It's yeah. like, is that collusion or is that just good business? But the player would be well within his rights to say, okay, and then turn around and not. He do absolutely it. could. Right. You're do it. absolutely right. And, and that's why it's not collusion. That. Because to me, because you can say anything you want. And once that contract's in front, you can't prohibit Calvin Ritten unless you pull the franchise no, tag yeah. off. Oh, I agree. I just said the Falcons will not be happy. Good. I don't care about the Falcons. You know what? <laughs> um, I. Uh, Maybe we can let Balky pick for him too. Whatever selection that would be. Uh, what do you guys have coming up today? We got we got Jags. Uh, we've got Jr. Jim Ross. Talk a little AW, and of course we got our doc. We're going to break down injuries and sports. All right, Matt. Have a good show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There he goes, Skinny Matt Hayes on the way out the door. Uh, Johnny O, what you got coming up? Rest of the week. Uh, going to tape a little Jaguars reporters this afternoon. That'll be available on the website, and then. Uh, we still have Jags AM tomorrow morning, and then we'll uh, be shutting it down for a little bit, just monitoring the news. We so. have uh, decided that we will welcome John back on Wednesdays Great on news. a trial basis. Yeah, <laughs> Week-by-week trial basis. It's a week-to-week league. He's only been here as long as we have, so uh, I kid. <laughs> I kid, people. All right, if you didn't get in today, guess what? There's only tomorrow. Mike DeRocco will join us uh, and will crown the Breakfast Bowl champion. Tomorrow for the year, uh, Tommy Mack on Friday as we continue to work through it's our first. It's not Duraco, is it? Uh, no, it is not. He'll be, uh, by the way, I haven't got that text on what you want for breakfast in Duraco. I'm expecting uh, it oh, he's soon, buying the, He's buying. Final for time. For the whole year. This, no, for, no well, he lost this It's week. a weekly thing on who buys. Does so, he lose every uh, He did. I think he finished he in last lost. place overall, though. Yeah, he's yeah. a loser. He's yeah. a big fat loser. Okay, yeah. all right. Pretty <laughs> much. I'd call him that to his face, and he'd return the favor, and it would be well accepted. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks to uh, for all of you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. I'm sure we'll fix the Jags in the next two-hour episode of Jaguars today right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM.